T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Everybody, welcome back to the second hour of At Your Service tonight. Dave Simons filling in. Happy to be here. Hopefully, you're all enjoying your Tuesday evening here in mid-October. Yeah, it falls here kind of. You know, if you stepped outside this evening or you're getting up early out in the mornings, you kind of get that crispness that's happening. Um, and I love this, by the way. I really do love this time of year, except for one thing, one factor. I know what comes next. That's why I can't really completely just really get my arms around the whole idea that fall is this wonderful time of year where the leaves are turning colors. And they are. It's very beautiful. And everything about pumpkins and trick-or-treating and and college football and all, which I love, which I love. But I still, I'm telling you, I have a tough time embracing it completely because I know what's next. So if we could go from, like, Thanksgiving and then, like, late March. Yeah, I don't want to skip Christmas. And the old thing about, well, the first snow is kind of pretty. Okay, I'll give you that. But, man, January, February, nah, no thanks. You can have it. I just want to go right to late March. But I digress. That's not really what I want to talk about. Um, Here's what I want to talk. I got a question for you. So answer me this, Batman. Uh... What side of the political aisle do you reside? Yeah, on second thought, don't answer that. I don't want any arguments to start. I mean, that's been kind of the American pastime here recently as we just yell at each other. So let me, let me try a different route here to get to the point. No matter your political affiliation, do, now be honest, do you sometimes look to the other side? those people over there, and you wonder, what the heck could they be thinking? Uh, How could they think that way? Of course you think that. We all do. And even if you're not passionate uh, about politics, you're still going to find yourself occasionally questioning the motivation and the intent of those who don't see the, the, the world the same way you do. And really, there's no harm in that. It's only natural. Like I said, we pretty much do it, all of us. I'll tell you where the problems arise, though. It's when we've convinced ourselves, and maybe I think we all do this to some degree, too. We convince ourselves that our own little reality, well, that's truth. That's real truth. 
And it's not just an opinion that's colored by our life experiences. No, it, it's truth. And I'm sorry that you don't see it. So if we really believe that, then it's going to follow that the other side, you people, well, then you must live in a world of what? Half-truths and even lies. And that your personal experience, it's, it's like it's somehow suspect. That, that's a problem. And that's how we're living it out in real time, unfortunately. I've really long been fascinated by that whole concept I just described because it, it permeates my world on a daily basis in all the research that I do. Because I see this time and time again. Two investors can look at the current state of the world and all the same data that comes in and come up with wildly different conclusions on what it all means and where the stock market's heading and all that, right? And what if it turns out that between those two investors, one of them is going to be really off base, 100% wrong. So what's that person going to do? Well, something makes sense. Wall Street just doesn't get it. Investors are behaving irrationally. The fix is in, I, I hear that. Um, and probably the fix is in from some deep, dark corner of the government. And that's why I've lost money in the market. Not my fault. I really know what's going on. And everybody else is stupid. <laughs> I'm barely overstating it. So this is why, honestly, seriously here, this is why I place such a high priority on sentiment. Investor sentiment. Consumer sentiment. Because you could have the hard data suggesting, and this is hypothetical here, that, that the economy is really strong, let's say, at any point in time. Um, but if consumers aren't feeling it, and if they're not buying into the facts presented to them, then all of those official reports don't mean a hill of beans. They, they don't matter. So let's say if my company or your company where you work, if they just announced a hiring freeze, ooh, what comes next? Maybe I should be just a tad nervous about my own job. What's happening here at this company? At that point, your own personal life experience is different than everybody else's. It's different than when it shows the unemployment rate is at a historically low. Well, I don't know. We got problems at my company. That's all I know. That's my reality. Meanwhile, and this is not hypothetical, today you're paying more at the grocery store and the gas pump that you did a couple of years ago. Interest rates on all the variable type of, of, of mortgages, that, that skyrocketed. And obviously we get into what's happening in the Middle East. Is Israel now is, you know, amassing troops on Gaza's northern border. What's going to come out there? So is there any reason to disbelieve right now what consumers are telling us in some of these index or polls? I, I think not. We can look at the hard data and say, hey, inflation's actually coming down a little bit. We can see the unemployment rate is still historically low. We can see that consumers are still spending money. They are. There are a lot of good things that we can hang our hat on and say, hey, you know what? Compared to the rest of the world, the U.S. economy is actually humming along really well. And all of that could be true. However, the latest consumer confidence survey, and that's a real thing from the conference board, shows that confidence is waning and falling. 
The latest numbers came out last week. The September numbers uh, showed a surprise drop in consumer confidence. They were not expected to drop like that. I look at trends. That's what I do in my job. So I think it's maybe a little bit premature to say that this is going to be a long-term trend. But, man, oh, man, this really gets into politics, which I don't ever really get into on this show. There's enough of that. You can go anywhere to find it. But we can't ignore it, especially when it comes to how it impacts our investments. And so this really does get into politics when you have consumer consumers, if their confidence level is waning, then that can have a major impact on the markets. Um, I, I want to spend just a few more minutes on that when we come back, and then we're going to go in a different direction. But I think it's very, very important to understand um, investing in politics, how sometimes they mix and sometimes they don't. It's typically overstated. But I think if I'm in the running or, or part of the Democrat Party uh, on the political side, and I'm in Biden's camp or whoever might want to run over there, I've got to be very concerned about these consumer confidence reports because you can show all the hard data that you want, but it doesn't matter. If my reality is that I don't like paying all this extra money at the grocery store and at the gas pump, and I don't feel good about this, and I'm worried about it, and I don't think that the person in the White House really knows how to combat it. Again, I'm not saying necessarily that's my opinion. I'm just saying that is a common narrative that is out there. We cannot ignore it, and the Consumer Confidence Reports show it. And even some spokespeople within the Democrat Party have been lamenting this very fact, saying, how do we get the word out? How do we show that things are actually really good? It's not registering. And all of these surveys are showing that for both Republicans and even Democrats alike. We'll come back. You're listening to At Your Service. Dave Simon's with you tonight. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom.
Welcome back, everybody. It is 919 in St. Louis. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Tuesday Tuesday afternoon. Man, it's been a long day, my friends. Tuesday evening um, and uh, tuning in to KMOX, no matter where you are, whether it is just sitting at home and enjoying your evening or out and about driving a car, whatever you're doing. uh, Thank you. Dave Simon's filling in tonight. Okay, so um, do you know, a little trivia here for you, the president with the highest approval ratings in history? I think it might surprise you. Now, I don't know when they started. I, this is Gallup. I think it goes back to the FDR days. So we're only talking, you know, maybe a little less than 100 years, roughly, something like that. But um, it's actually George H.W. Bush. Yeah, Daddy Bush. Does that surprise you? I mean, the guy lost. He was a one-term president. But when the Gulf War was going on, it was a major collective moment for all of us as Americans, for those of us who were adults and lived through that time. You even had Whitney Houston famously singing the national anthem and and tears were coming to everybody's eyes. People still get choked up when they watch that rendition more than 30 years later. And uh, President Bush at the time, his approval rating hit 89%. That seems otherworldly in today's politics, doesn't it, when we put it in context? Can you imagine this country right now as divided as we are to actually coalesce around a president and nine-tenths of us, basically, say, yeah, he's doing a great job? Well, that's what was going on back then. But less than two years later, the guy loses an election. How is that possible? How do you go from pretty much 90% of the country saying, way to go, president, to get out of the White House now? I know this upstart, this governor from Arkansas, we don't know much about him, and he's had to defend a lot of, um, uh, let's say, some uh, side activity outside of his marriage, and he's even gone on 60 Minutes to talk about it with his wife. But, yeah, we still want him over this guy that a year and a half ago had the highest approval ratings ever. It's the economy, stupid. Remember that? James Carville famously came up with that line, and Bill Clinton lived it all the way into the White House. It's the economy. We went into a recession after the Gulf War. And a lot of conservatives never forgave President Bush for going back on his pledge, no more taxes, of course, read my lips. So you had the conservatives that didn't really like him, and they were wanting to, to support some other people. Of course, Ross Perot didn't help the Republican cause either. It is fair to argue, as many have, that if Perot had never run, that perhaps President Bush would have won a second term. But he didn't. And a lot of it had to do with the economy. So that gets back to what I was talking about before the break, and that is consumer confidence and what we say about the economy. That, more than anything, is what derails a political party and can derail an individual in the White House. And that's why the Democrats have been vocal about this. They've been public. They're not hiding it. How do they get word out that the data is actually not bad? When people show up in consumer confidence, well, it may show that, but I'm not feeling so hot. And it's not so much now. It's Future conditions. That's one of the surveys 
that comes up with the conference board as well. And like I said before, it's all about trends. That's what I look for. Trends of good financial situations have been trending down since the springtime and have really been falling here the last couple of months. So that gets to, man, that's got a lot of different uh, potential outcomes when it comes to what uh, the elections look like a year from now. If we fall into a recession next year, I'm not giving advice to any party at all. Well, maybe I will a little bit. I think the Democrats have uh, something that they're really going to have to struggle with. How do they convince a president who is not going to be, he's going to be less popular next year if there's a recession than he is now. How do they convince him to step aside and then maybe bring in some new fresh blood? And I have no, I'm out of my lane of expertise here, so I'm not even going to uh, try to come up with any names. I'll let everybody else argue over that. And then if, if Trump really is your nominee on the right, which it apparently is going to be, then how does that play out? This is going to be really interesting. And me as the financial guy, I've got to try to navigate that through. But we also know that politics does not impact stocks and bonds and all that as much as you might think. It really doesn't. People make up wild predictions because, again, it gets back to my own life experiences and my own political predilections. I come up with how I think the markets are going to act. In fact, I'm going to make a prediction on how the market should act. And when it doesn't, I'm not wrong. It's everybody else. You're just a bunch of idiots. Don't you get it? 2016, the liberal economist Paul Krugman of the uh, Krugman of the uh, New York Times, well known now, he basically said, if that guy that apprentice guy, that Donald Trump guy, if he wins, not only will we go into a recession, we could have a depression and the markets will crash. And yet the markets did the exact opposite. The next several years, we had a boom that occurred. And I'm not taking sides one way or the other. I'm just giving you the facts. That's exactly what happened. And to show that I can be an equal opportunity antagonist, I will go to the other side and say the same thing happened. In 2020, if that guy wins and the Democrats and there's no red wave, which there turned out not to be, I'm going to sell all my stocks. I heard that because the market's going to crash and it didn't. In fact, 2021 was a very strong year. Now, 22 came down, but that wasn't so much politics as it was the Fed raising rates over the next year and a half. I think maybe they're done now, but for a year and a half and inflation going up. People can argue that political. We're not going to do that. But my point is here, this is all about sentiment and data always takes a backseat to sentiment and how people feel rather than black and white numbers. That's my little lesson for you tonight. Now, completely, completely changing gears. I just finished watching for the second time. It's been 20 years. The famed uh, award-winning docuseries Band of Brothers. Did you ever see that? If you haven't seen it, you do yourself a service. It's some of the greatest television making of all time. And it's amazing that it even came out in 2001 because it looks like one of those things that would be produced today. It's still that good. It's a true story. 
101st Airborne Division, uh, easy company, and um, them flying into uh, the backside of Normandy as they protected that other backside here, paratroopers, and then they went through parts of Europe over the next several years. And they actually would interview in splices at the beginning of the 10-part series some of the real men who fought over there, what they went through. This intrigues me. You folks who served our country in one fashion or another, I salute you like nobody's business. I mean that. My charitable giving is typically centered outside of my church on vets and kids. That's it. Vets and kids. Yes, I'll give here and there, but but the bulk of my charity uh, and nonprofit giving outside of my church, veterans and military on one side and anything to do with kids, Ronald McDonald House, St. Jude's, all that stuff. I have a heart for both sides. I have actually run and raised money for both sides. And um, I just am intrigued by the whole concept of the Band of Brothers. What makes you? want to actually jump on a grenade in in a suicidal way to protect your buddy. I don't think most of us just standing around on the street corner, we don't really know people and all of a sudden a grenade. I don't think any of us naturally are going to jump on it to save the guy next to us. But something happens, the bonding that happens going through boot camp and then being shipped out somewhere, and then going overseas, and then having bullets flying over your head, and you're in it for each other, and the true band of brothers, and now I am going to die for you if I have to. This fascinates me to no end. And um, that is actually, I cannot wait to interview two men. They're about 60, 60, or 61 now, maybe even 62, early 60s who um, protected this country, and one of them actually in, I believe, the 101st Airborne, if I remember the resume uh, uh, correctly. And they're going to be two folks that I interview on my next podcast. We're recording it on Friday, and it will come out next week. And I've never really had the opportunity to sit down and talk to somebody who has been a Marine sniper or who has flown uh, helicopters in bad areas of the world and taken on fire and seeing buddies go down. And I cannot wait to dig into that. One thing that I've always been intrigued by for those of you who have actually been on the front lines in, in some capacity, how you are so humble about it and quiet about it. I think about my own, uh, my grandparents and their generation who fought in world war II and would not talk about it. Sometimes frankly, because of PTSD, of course, but other times because they did a job. There's nothing to brag about. And as they said in Band of Brothers, in fact, one of the real heroes over there said, I'm not a hero, but I certainly served with a bunch of them. Oh my gosh, tear to the eye. So um, I just had to talk about that because for those of you who have actually put on that uniform, whether you've served in some capacity here stateside, uh, or overseas, and you've actually seen real action, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, you don't know how many of us really understand and appreciate what you have done, all right? That means a lot. So please check that out on the pod- podcast sometimes next week. Speaking of that, when we come back, I want to talk to you about um, 
something that's following up from the first hour when I talked about one of the narratives out there that I just have a real problem with, and that is the younger generation doesn't work as hard as my generation. Well, there's another one out there. There's another narrative. There's another mantra. There's another popular thought that I say fooey on. I don't believe it, and I'm going to lead into that when we come back after this break. You're listening to At Your Service. Dave Simon's filling in. Stay with us. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good evening again, everybody. Dave Simons with you filling in on At Your Service tonight. It is 9.35 in St. Louis. All right, self-made man. I love that phrase. Love it. And I always considered myself kind of the poster child of that, if I can be so bold and pat myself on the back and say, yep, nobody gave me a darn thing, and I did it all myself. I supported myself through college, which is true. I went out on my own with no help to Western Kansas by myself, didn't know a soul, and picked myself up by my bootstraps and made it all my own, which is, there's a big kernel of truth to that, all the way to where I'm sitting here at age 61 at uh, at your service in a Camelwax seat that I can't believe it as a St. Louis kid, pinching myself, yeah, it's all me, but not really. So a podcast of a quick hit that I recorded, eh, I don't know, a month or two ago or so. It's frankly one of my favorite, and that is on the myth of the self-made man. Howdy. Welcome again to another quick hit. So I think one of the great benefits of getting older in life is looking back at our younger self and calling out the BS that we once thought. I mean, seriously, things that we thought that we were so sure of, because we were much smarter, of course, when we were in our 20s than we are many decades later, right? It's great to kind of do that accounting of our younger selves and say, wow, I was pretty sure of myself on that particular issue, and man, was I wrong. I'm going to give you the one example, and that's the point of today's vignette. It's the phrase, self-made man. Now, when I was younger, and for quite some time, I always thought if you looked up in the dictionary under that term of self-made man, you'd see this ugly mug sitting there staring right back at you because nobody gave me anything. Now, there is a kernel of truth to that there, and, and more than a few kernels of truth. I put in all the sweat equity, nose to the grindstone, all those cliches, of making it on my own. I had nothing. I really didn't have hardly any assistance at all, especially when I started this career in my early 30s. Cold calling all day long, 200 to 300 dials a day, working hard seven days a week, doing all of that stuff. But if we're being really honest, we have to acknowledge that so many other people came into our lives at the right time to help 
make us successful in life. I have so many examples. As I was preparing for this piece, I went back and really spent some time at major inflection points and turning points in my life that led to some successes. And I just thought, wow, yeah, I kind of forgot that that guy was there and helped open a door for me. Hmm. I don't know that I would have ever seen it at the time. I wasn't willfully ignorant. I just didn't acknowledge it at the time. I'm just going to give you one example, and it's a pretty big one. When I started in this business, as I just mentioned, it was cold calling because that's kind of what you did. And this was before caller ID and um, the no call list where you could actually call people during the day and even in the evening and they didn't yell at you and hang up. Where'd you get this number? People were still kind of friendly back in those days. But there was obviously a lot of rejection. It was a numbers game. And, and I was making my minimums and I was doing fine, but I just thought there has to be a more efficient use of my time. I don't know what that is. So I just thought, wait a minute. You spent the first 10 years of your adult life out of college with a broadcast journalism degree in the broadcast industry. Why aren't you using those skill, skills and abilities which are innate to you? They're really in your DNA. That's what you wanted to do from day one, and yet you're not doing that at all? So I thought, yeah, maybe I could, how could I set myself up as, as the person that television stations in St. Louis go to when they want to do a story on something to do with the economy or the stock market? I want to be that guy. How do I get that name out? Oh, I know. Maybe I'll call radio stations. Maybe I can get an investment show. There are tons of, of uh, investment shows on local radio. So I get out the yellow pages. And this was early January of 1996. And I start going down the line of AM radio stations that are more uh, obviously connected to talk radio. And I remember, oh, yeah, wait a minute. There is a new AM station that is just about to go on the air here in St. Louis. They're probably looking for new types of shows. I'll give them a call. And I'm telling you, I, I wasn't even two or three minutes into this exercise. And I get directly to the program director, the new program director of this new station. Here's where the serendipitous moment came in that I didn't earn. I didn't work hard to get it. It happened because of somebody else working on my behalf. This person says, you're not going to believe this, Dave, but we just came out of a staff meeting and we decided we need an investment show. The call, the timing of your call is really strange. Literally, the meeting just ended. Okay, well, I'm your guy, all right? Long story short, it turns out that, um, yes, they were interviewing several people, and I had the least amount of experience as a financial advisor. Some guys, 20, 25 years plus. But I was the only one with any broadcast experience. I was the only one who knew what to do in front of this thing and feel very comfortable in doing it. So they hired me, to do this show based more on my broadcast experience as opposed to the financial advisory experience. They took a real chance in doing that, but I'd like to think it worked out for everybody in, in that regard. One more thing about that, showing a little bit of my hubris back then. I said, yeah, I'll do the show, but this isn't an advertisement. 
I'm really not going to talk about my team. I'm not going to talk about my business. And and for those of you who know about the Dollars and Cents show, you know I've been true to that for 27 years. It's an educational show. And because of that, I'm not paying for it. So I'll do the show, but either I'll do it for free, because I know it'll still generate business, or you have to pay me. I mean, the cockiness, I, I think about that. But it worked. Yeah, we're, we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you to do the show. And to this day, I get paid to do the show, even though I only do it on a part-time basis. That, 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 that's another story, which I changed about 10 years ago on a part-time basis. But I actually get paid to do the show, and I still don't talk about my personal business. It is education. It's like you're in an actual college classroom learning about investing, finance, and all that good stuff. So who is that person? I'm going to name him because he... He deserves to be recognized for helping my business become what it is today. Steve Moore. Steve Moore was the program director at this new station. Steve Moore later goes to the biggest AM station in St. Louis, one of the most well-known and famous AM stations in America, the Mighty Mox KMOX, longtime home of the St. Louis Cardinals. I grew up a St. Louis kid listening to KMOX all the time with my dad, listening to sports shows, all that. He goes to KMOX, gives me a call, and says, how would you like to come over here to KMOX and do your show? Are you kidding me? Self-made man. Now, some of you will say, but Dave, you still made that phone call. You picked up the phone. You went to the yellow pages. You dialed that number of the new AM station. You did that work. Yeah, I did. But somebody else on the other line took a chance. And it's hard to believe that they did with someone with only a few years experience in the business, but had experience in this. And then to think that later I moved over to Camo X and I can, I say this with all humility, my business and the success of it would not be where it is today. If not for what Steve Moore did for me back in those days. There are so many other people I want to thank. I mean, literally, I feel like if I know what the Oscar award winners really mean when they get up there with with all sincerity and say, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. Or when people win the MVP, I love it when they acknowledge, look, this is, uh, yeah, I won the most valuable player award in my chosen sport, but I could not have done it without my teammates or when a quarterback when they win an award of the Super Bowl and they'll buy their offensive linemen all gold watches because they know they wouldn't be successful without their help. It's all true. Self-made man has a kernel of truth to it, but ultimately there's a bit of a myth uh, fixture to it. Don't take my word, all right? If seriously, if I went to the dictionary and looked up self-made man, and I only thought I would see one picture. It would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's actually a documentary that just came out recently that I watched. It's very fascinating. Yeah, there's a lot of four-letter words, uh, if you can get through that. Um, it's actually very fascinating, and I love a lot of the humility that this man has who also talks about all the things he did wrong in life. But put that aside. This is a man who couldn't speak a lick of English growing up in some little village in Austria would become the greatest bodybuilder of all time through hard work and effort and sweat equity, of course. 
He then parlays that into a successful Hollywood career. And therefore, a time in the 1980s, he ha- he was the number one box office draw. Not just an action adventure, but also comedy. Who would have thought? But he's not done yet. He then decides, I'm going to go into politics, and he's successful there, two-term governor of the state of California. Who does this? Arnold Schwarzenegger. But don't tell him. Don't you dare tell him that he's a self-made man. Look at this quote. He says, this is so important for you, you to understand. I didn't make it that far on my own. I mean, to accept that credit or that mantle would discount every single person that has helped me to get here today, that gave me advice, that made an effort, that gave me time, that lifted me when I fell. It gives the wrong impression that we can do it alone. None of us can. The whole concept of self-made man or woman is a myth. I don't think I would argue with Arnold. Probably wouldn't go well for you. So why am I even doing this? There's a really important thing here my friends, about the concept of self-made man or woman, and then you realize, yeah, I I worked hard. There's no question about it, but I uh, acknowledge that there were people who helped me along the way. When you get to that point in life and you could admit that to yourself, you know what that does? It gives you this empathy. When you look at others off to the side who might be struggling, like you might have been at some point, and somebody came alongside you, and you look at this person, and I'm, by the way, I'm not talking about those who are truly lazy and don't want to help themselves and expect handouts. That's not what I'm talking about. That grates on me too. I'm talking about those who truly want to make an effort to make it, but for whatever reason, they're not catching the brakes. When you realize that you've been helped along the way, you empathize and you come alongside that person and you say, hey, buddy, what can I do to help you? And I'm not talking about writing up some blank check, although in some cases, maybe that would be helpful. I'm talking about who can I call for you? What what door can I open for you? Who can I put in contact with you in this situation? Or maybe it's none of that. Maybe that's just, hey, I'm here as a friend. And we're going to get through this and you're going to be successful in whatever else you would like to do. But I'm here for you. When you get to that point, it is so refreshing. And it takes away, I think, a lot of the heaviness that you feel on your shoulders when you can finally put aside the hubris of thinking that you did it all yourself. When you realize that you had help along the way that allows you to help others. And I'm telling you, in your little corner of the world, it has become a richer place. Dave Simon's back live in the KMOX studios. You just heard one of my recently uh, released podcasts. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It is seven minutes before 10 o'clock. Man, I forget how quickly these two-hour shows go by, whether it's dollars and cents or at your service or whatever. But uh, thanks again. Uh, I've had a blast. Don't know when the next time I'll be on, but um, look forward to uh, visiting with everybody. So you heard before the break there, uh, another quick hit podcast uh, that I've just had a blast doing. uh, Topics that are very, very important to me. 
And the latest one will be released tomorrow on the YouTube channel. So once again, if you want to access it and kind of look through there, I've probably released, I don't know, 20 to 25 of these. Uh, Half of them are these quick hits, 10 to 15 minutes in length. The other half are the interview podcasts that are uh, uh, sometimes up to 90 minutes. One went over two hours. You can see that one. I I talked about the one, the longer version that I'm recording uh, on Friday with the military folks. So of all of the races that I've ever done in my life, from local 5Ks up through all the marathons that I've done to triathlons to the full Ironman, all of these years, I have cried one time during a race. One time. 2010, running the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. And... I raised money for the Semper Fi Fund. That was very, very important to me at the time. And, um, man, I had some military folks who were so generous with their money. And so I I was just flattered and honored to be able to take all of that money to D.C. and give it to the Semper Fi folks uh, the day or two before the marathon. But during the race itself, a lot of Marines come out and they race in full gear. Boots and all, some of them running with backpacks, awe-inspiring. I came up on two people, Marines. One Marine pushing another in a wheelchair. It was more than that. The guy in the wheelchair was carrying, I, I didn't see it until I was right on top of him, a prosthetic arm of the guy who was running and pushing the wheelchair with one arm. And his buddy was carrying his prosthetic arm. Oh, it's even more than that. The guy in the wheelchair had one leg. The guy running with one arm was carrying his buddy's prosthetic leg. I started, like, choking up. I I just, I, I was right there. I'm like, oh, My gosh, this is Band of Brothers stuff, man. This is what it's all about. And at the end, you finish straight up a hill at the Iwo Jima statue. And Marines come out on both sides of the road there. It's only, it's less than a quarter mile. It's like 100 meters. And you're running up it and they're yelling at you, you're all Marines today. Let me tell you, people walk at the end of marathons, not that one. I salute you all who have served this country, thank you. Hope to talk to you all very soon again. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.